If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I've been able to take all of the things that have that I've been through in my life and use that as knowledge towards helping others. So this is why I'm so excited and passionate about women empowerment, because I was there one time. I was the one who was broke and not sure where I was going and lost in life. And as much as I had a great job for the majority of my adult life, I've had some really down moments. And those were my defining moments for me, helped me build my character. And so now I can look back and say, I made it through all of that. And now I can help other people because if I can do it, really anyone can do it. I wake up every morning very excited about life, very excited about possibilities and opportunities and connections. Only a year ago, Rachelle Rayner quit her job in commercial real estate in the suburbs of New York, actually in the town where I live, and moved with her daughter to Marrakesh in Morocco to become a boutique hotelier. How's that for a bucket list career move? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Crystal Laurie. Rachelle bought a Riyadh, a type of traditional Moroccan building with an interior garden or courtyard located in the Medina, the old core of the city, with architecture usually dating back from the Middle Ages. A lifelong traveler's dream job and a bold career reinvention story, of course, with so many interesting elements you'll have to listen to hear about. Rochelle shares how she chose Morocco, the obstacles she had to overcome to transition to landowner slash entrepreneur in a foreign city, even dealing with the aftermath of a recent earthquake. All right, let's get to the conversation. Rochelle Rayner, great to have you on Bucket List Careers. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so thrilled that you reached out to me. Having been a New Yorker and taking this big adventurous leap that you have This is going to be such a unique episode. I've never had anyone like you on the show. So thanks for taking the time. Let's dive right in with what you've done. You bought a boutique hotel in Morocco after leaving a corporate job in New York a little over a year ago. So first off, why is this your bucket list career? I mean, I can understand the excitement of it all, but tell us what you feel is really lighting you up about this decision that you've made. I love to travel and I've been traveling for years. Anytime I would get any time off from work, I would be heading to another country. My family used to complain because I grew up in Canada. Most of my family is still there. 
And so they would always complain about me not coming home when I had very limited vacation time. But here I was trekking all over the world and I've always had hospitality in my blood. I served as a hospitality director at my church for many years. And I also had guest houses that I did Airbnb and short-term rentals. And I always just got really just so excited about the hospitality side. Everything just kind of fell together during my one of my trips to Morocco. And I found myself just kind of in this situation. <laughs> well, that's really the incredible part and what we want to unpack, how you made this decision to uproot your life coming from commercial real estate development, which you did for many years, and taking the plunge. So walk us through how you got into that originally, what was working for you, and then what wasn't. And then if there is a pivotal moment, we'd love to hear about it. I started out my career after moving from Canada to New York and commercial real estate. Well, I started out in construction and worked my way up. I never really planned on being in that industry. I kind of just got a job when I moved to New York. And from there, I just found I was good at certain things. And I also saw an opportunity as there not being a whole lot of women in the field and wanting to be a representation that women can, you know, work in this industry and be successful. Love it. Interestingly enough, when I got started, I had worked for a construction company out of Brooklyn and Mm. the owner had hired me to do secretarial and like administrative work. My second day there, he said to me, I need you to order the tile for one of the high-end brownstones that we were working on. And he said, I need you to order the tile go and check out the blueprints in the conference room and just don't mess this up because the tile is coming from Italy and there's a 16-week lead time. And I panicked. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never looked at a blueprint in my life and I was in tears in the conference room as I was pulling out these blueprints and looking at them. Mm. And someone from the company, one of the estimators stopped by and he said, he's asking you to do something that's outside of your job description, right? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you like an hour of my time. He's like, if you don't get it, then he said, I give you three days here. You're not going to last. He sat down with me and he showed me exactly what to do. And I successfully ordered all of those tiles and they came in and everything was correct. I just realized that this was something that I could do. And so I went from there and moved on into more like that was residential. So I moved on into commercial as the years went by and worked for some very well-known real estate developers in New York City on the construction side. And then ultimately, my last corporate job was in risk management, which was very beneficial in my overall career path, moving into the entrepreneurship. Learning how to protect your assets was one of the most important things that you can learn. It was really good to learn that from people who do it best. Absolutely. I love how you were thrown into something, sink or swim, made it work, and then took that confidence with you. And as far as transferred skills, obviously being in real estate, having years of experience, that must have served you in this career transition. But becoming a hotelier in a foreign country, the degree of difficulty that you took on here is impressive to me. So let's delve into choosing Marrakesh. You did say to me that you made that choice because of a solo trip you took to Morocco and you just fell in love with the vibe and the warmth of the people. So walk us through it all. I think you went back to Morocco for a second trip within three months and then the country went on lockdown due to the pandemic. 
Actually, I came here on a birthday trip and I really loved the country. I spent only a couple of nights in Marrakesh and I ended up doing basically like a backpacking trip around Morocco. And mm. I don't know, for those people who haven't been to Morocco, to do a solo trip in Morocco, it's a without like a tour or something like that. It's a bit of an advanced experience for traveling. For me, it was very exciting. I've traveled a lot. I did underestimate how difficult it would be, but there was still like something about the country, the people, the warmth, the kindness that I just really fell in love with. When I had returned back to the US, I had an idea that I had been toying with for a few years that I had wanted to create my own brand of hotel toiletries for the simple reason was that I had several guest houses in New York that I used to do Airbnb with, and I would stock them with fancy toiletries. And mm -hmm. I would call these companies when I would get a new property and they would send me samples. And it was the most exciting thing for me, like to get these boxes with like tissue paper and then smell them. And it was like a whole thing for me. So I thought one day when I retire, this is going to be a project that I work on. And so I actually had found that there were products to be sourced and that I could probably do that in Morocco. So this was kind of my original reason for coming back the second time. And so when I came back within two months of my first trip, I was going to be working with some of the laboratories to produce the product. And when I got here, it was the end of November in 2021, the country ended up going on lockdown and I got stuck here for 50 days and I was unable to leave the country. And so this dream that I had about doing this toiletry, I kind of was like, oh, I'm not sure I want to do that for the simple reason was I wasn't sure the direction of how COVID would end up with any countries. And my plan was with the toiletries is that I would sell them to high-end boutique hotels. And so with just the condition of the world, I was just apprehensive of having a product that I would have too much of and not able to sell. Sure. So while I was here, I decided to take a look at the real estate just for curiosity. When I looked at all of these boutique hotels, which are called Riyads, just to clarify for the listeners, a Riyadh is a traditional Moroccan house. So these older homes were built around kind of like a courtyard with a beautiful fountain and trees and gardens, and they're open to the sky. They're very beautiful and full of just ancient architecture. And so I decided to take a look while I was here just for curiosity and really fell in love with them. I mean, I must have saw about 20 of them while I was here stuck in the country. From there, I went back home and I just couldn't get it out of my mind. I started making plans to take on this big adventure. <laughs> Love it. So you saw how this could be appealing to tourists, obviously. Well, let's talk about actually moving there. I know you have children. Tell me about some of the biggest obstacles that you had to navigate and uh, what we can learn and also startup costs. Like what is really what you need to have to do something like this in terms of reserves? The real estate market is very interesting here, whereas home, it's very mathematical. So when I say home, the US, like everything is a mathematical equation, cap rates and net operating income. So you, you have kind of a base to go off of whenever you're purchasing. But for here, there's no rhyme or reason to what somebody could want for a property. There's a lot of challenges at the time. I didn't realize just exactly what I was getting myself into. And I think after being here, I realized wow, just how like unlucky I could be and the things that I 
didn't even know to be watching out for. So just because the location does play a big factor where you're located, because Marrakesh has two parts of the city. There's an old part, which is called the Medina, mm-hmm. and then there's the new part. So Myriad is mm-hmm. in the Medina. They're small, tiny little streets, so they're not accessible by car. So you have like animals, literally, or like small bikes or even by foot. So you're positioning and how close you are to the square, which is kind of the main drop-off area. This is kind of more attractive and more it would be costing you more. So in terms of like the price of a property. Mm. But those that are uh, used as a guest house is typically, I want to say between four rooms to 13 rooms, you know, so it depends on the size of the Riyadh. It depends on the condition. It depends Mm -hmm. on the location, but you're going to run just a range, maybe between 300,000 euros to 1.6 million euros. So I know that's a really big range, but that's, it's really hard to give like a metric. Whereas like in the US, you can say, well, this area is a certain cap rate or the market price is this. And it's literally not that here. And and then for the location and how I determined that, it was really just an opportunity that fell into my lap. The owners are currently living in America. I was able to work out something with them and do a deal with them that allowed me to get into it a lot easier than what typically it would be to get into a deal here. And how did you find them? How did you get connected with them? Connections that I had in Morocco, somebody had given me a phone number for the lady who owned it, and then I was able to reach out to her. It's just organic networking. Yeah. The broker scene here is quite the Wild West because literally anyone can be a broker in Morocco. You just have to have a property or a buyer and you pair them up and you're basically owed a commission as the middleman. So there's really no rules when it comes to that, and it can get a bit dicey to say the least. I'm actually working on a new property, which will be a wellness center, and I'm direct with the owner as well. She's actually from New Zealand. She's an elderly lady, and she's looking to sell. So these are the best deals when you're direct with an owner and you just make those like organic connections rather than going through. Totally. Yes. I was going to ask you, my next question was about the holistic wellness center, which you have opened or are opening. And you said it's also going to serve as a hospitality training center for women. I love that. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it's actually two separate things. Mm. The Maison des Femmes is the name of the new location that I will have. It's not completed yet. Our target date is April 2024, so this spring. And so basically what it is, it will be Morocco's first holistic wellness energy retreat center. Mm. It's a place where people can go to decompress and have energy healing done, yoga, meditation, sound therapy, hammam, which is a traditional Moroccan bathhouse with scrubs and massages and whatnot. This is very special to me because... For those of our English-speaking listeners, which is probably the majority, it means House of Women. So Maison de Femme is House of Women. I'm really passionate about helping people, specifically women empowerment. I've been through a lot of things in my life. And as women, I just think that we're some of the strongest creatures on earth. And we can just do so much. There's a big need here for educating women in a way of mindset and character development, leadership. And so I really want to delve into that space. So the Center for Helping Women will be somewhat separate, but the goal is to teach them skills in order to 
boost their confidence and kind of pull out their purpose, what they feel like their purpose is, and then train them in hospitality and then ultimately give them a job in one of my facilities. Or I'm also working with some other women-owned businesses here in Morocco that are in the hospitality space, event space, restaurant space that are looking for good workers. So this is kind of the idea. It's exciting. I'm very excited. And that's kind of my passion project. Yes, I can tell by the way you're speaking about it that this is so meaningful for you, which is exactly what Bucket List Careers is all about. You also have an elementary school age daughter, Rachelle, living with you there, who I'm sure really looks up to her mom. And it's important to you. I know you told me to be a role model of strength as an entrepreneur while focusing on empowering other female business owners, which is valuable to all of us. So thank you for that. You did say to me that the fear of sitting in a gray cubicle for the rest of your life became greater than the fear of leaving a secure job. And I get that. And I think that when it comes to second acts and reinventions, this is what drives many people, many of the guests on this show, a feeling that I know there's so much more out there for me. So tell me how you got to that point. How did you get to the mindset space where you were ready, as I said to push past any fear of uprooting from New York, your daughter with you. I know you also have an older son living in the U.S., so you're going back and forth. It's clearly a lot for anyone to take on. So, you know, our office that I worked out of in New York, it was actually out of Larchmont, and they did a full-on office renovation. And when we Ooh. all came back, everything was gray, and I hate the color gray. <laughs> I just can't imagine Literally gray. like being like in gray. I mean, why? And I get it. It's colors that people use in the workspace, but how uninspiring. I came back. I was so disappointed. Then COVID happened. We were all sent home to work from home. I had a beautiful home and I loved my space and I was very productive there. And so when they wanted everybody to come back to work, I refused. And I said, I'm not coming back. I, I don't see the point and I'm not coming back. So if you really like my work and you like who I am, you know, what I do, then we're going to have to work out something. And my boss was a bit taken aback by it. They did work out something with me where I could do three days at home, two days in the office. So it just kind of opened the door for me to like realize that, hey, I could be really doing anything anywhere in the world. I have so many different skill sets and I just completely lost interest in being in the office. And then I started to think like, well, even what I do is working with teams outside of the Larchmont office and I never go to these properties. So I've actually been working remote all these years just from this location. It just all the puzzle pieces started coming together. I've always been a person who pushes back on everything that doesn't make sense. And that has gotten me into trouble. And then also it has liberated me in some senses. That's a great word. And the silver linings of the pandemic exist in that sense where you had this awareness all of a sudden, like I can do this work differently. Someone on my terms, a hybrid model is working for so many people now. But obviously you had a great job. You're in the suburbs of New York and you were able to, as I said, like dig deep and find the confidence to make this kind of a change and say, this is how I'm going to work from now on. I think that's amazing. I really do. Yeah. And that's always been how you approached things. Would you say you're nonconformist type of person? Yeah. And I'm a huge risk taker, but I also like believe in calculated risk. So nice. you can sit back and 
let life happen to you or you can make life happen for you. I just didn't see how, like to me, life is a gift. And so if, if my life is a gift, it's a gift for me. Why would I allow someone else to dictate how I live my life and how I use my gift? Then I realized, well, the responsibility is on me. So I can no longer blame this person, blame that person. I have to get up and take action if I want to create the life that I want to live and something that's makes me happy and, and fulfilled every day. And so I think that it just was about taking ownership of the gift of life. You did say that to me when we were prepping for this recording, when I asked about your top takeaways that you said your purpose in life is the gift you were given by birthright. You'll go through many struggles in your life that will prepare you to be in alignment of your purpose. So timing is everything. And I think you have mastered that. Would you say you believe in professional purpose for each person? And do you feel you have found it with what you're doing now in Marrakesh? Absolutely. Yes to both of those. I think that we all have a purpose. We all have our destiny purpose and things that happen to us in our life to cloud us of really seeing who we are as people. We allow divorces, we allow setbacks, we allow losses, we allow all of these things to kind of delay us in finding what our true purpose is. And everyone has a purpose in life. And I think that life is not about what happens to us, but it's how we respond to the things that happen. And so I've been able to take all of the things that have that I've been through in my life and use that as knowledge towards helping others. So this is why I'm adamant and so excited and passionate about women empowerment because I was there one time. I was the one who was broke and not sure where I was going and lost in life. And as much as I had a great job for the majority of my adult life, I've had some really down moments. And those were my defining moments for me, helped me build my character. And so now I can look back and say, I made it through all of that. And now I can help other people because if I can do it, really anyone can do it. We all have a purpose and I have definitely found mine. I wake up every morning very excited about life, very excited about possibilities and opportunities and connections. And yeah. Yeah. And all the amazing people you're probably meeting at the Riyadh and uh, the Wellness Center. And I'm just, I'm very happy for you. And I love sharing stories like this because you're kind of making, I'm, I'm not emotional, I'm not crying, but I just felt that. I just felt all the authenticity in your words. And it's really nice that I get to well, be able you. to put this out into the world. So thank you for sharing your narrative. Let's get information on your hotel website and also the information on the Holistic Wellness Center as well. Give us where we should find you online. I do want to also mention that for people listening, Morocco actually experienced a very horrific earthquake back in September 8th, and it was a Mm. very strong 6.8 magnitude earthquake. That's right. I remember that. That is actually something that was very horrifying to live through, and we had significant damages to the Riyadh, structural damages. So I'm going through Mm. um, a construction project right now in repairing, and that is another level of complication and challenges that I didn't anticipate going through in my first year of business. So we are actually closed at the moment while we undergo construction. So hopefully it will be back up and running soon. But for those that want to check out our website, the name of the Riyadh is the Medina Privilege. It's the privilege of the Medina. The website is www.lemedinaprivilege.com. 
Great. And uh, you can check us out on there. And when we're up and running, we'll be really excited to be receiving guests again. And then Maison de Femme, Maison, M-A-I-S-O-N-D-E-S-F-E-M-E. Do I have yes. that right? Dot yes. com? Okay. Okay. And they can learn more about that. Well, good luck with the rebuild, of course, Rochelle. You know what? Thank you. It's going to make you guys stronger when you yes. come out of it. So I wish Absolutely. you so much luck. I've never been to Marrakesh. Wow. Talk about bucket list trips, uh, (laughs) definitely on my list. So if I do come your way, I will be staying with you. Absolutely. (laughs) Again, I'm so appreciative you took the time to, to share your story and your wisdom with us. Be well. Thank you, Krista. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Krista Laurie. Thanks for joining me. More bucket list careers coming your way on Thursday. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge? It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.